Woke up quick at about noon. Loved ones, welcome into the Wednesday, July 8th edition of the podcast with Damian Barling, presented by Vibe Health Bar. I'm your host, Damian Barling, and I thank you so much, as always, for downloading, subscribing, and for listening. Thank you so much for all of those new ratings and reviews that have come in over there on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Check that out. If you haven't rated the show yet, if you're new to the show, if you haven't reviewed the show yet, if you're new to the show, you don't even have to turn us off. You can just... Uh, go to your podcast app right now. Just go to your Apple Podcast app. Uh, go to the show page uh, where you see all of the episodes. Scroll past all of the episodes. Look for those five stars. Hit the fifth one if you think we're worth it. Uh, and if you're not driving or you're not doing uh, anything at work right now or you're not walking the dogs and, and James, just leave us a quick little review. It takes like, hey, the show is great. It's two seconds. It's awesome. Uh, and it's really great for us. Uh, but appreciate all of the new ones that have uh, come in. Please continue to keep those coming. No matter how many episodes of this podcast we do, the more ratings that we get, the more reviews that we get, uh, the better that we are. Uh, this is a statement that I hope that I get to make uh, a number of times over the course of the next few weeks. I've got an announcement. Uh, I'm super thrilled to announce our partnership with thedopeones.com. The Dope Ones is an apparel brand uh, based here in Sacramento, California, uh, and they have launched a line of T-shirts here for the podcast that are available for you right now. We have been working on this uh, for weeks. I know some of you have seen uh, some of the shirts uh, circulating on social media. Those were actually shirts that I got made. Uh, I had just kind of worked with a you know a local a local T-shirt company and 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 uh, gave them the logo that that Russell Preston and Preston uh, Design Company put together for me. He does all of the logos for uh, all of the podcast, and, and he did the More Than a Podcast logo as well as the, uh, uh, the, the I don't even, it says Relive and Be Conscious and Hoop Ball, and it just has all of the podcast on it. He did that logo as well. But uh, we have hooked up with thedopeones.com, and if you head over to that website right now, again, it's thedopeones.com. You could check out our own line of podcast t-shirts. There are two up right now uh, in different colors, and there are going to be multiple designs added over the course of the next few weeks. So, uh, again, I'm really, really excited. And while you're there, you've seen me. You've probably, if you're on social media, if you're on Instagram with me, you've, I've rocked their gear before. When we did the first live stream of the Lowdown, uh, I was wearing a Whitney Houston t-shirt. And he designed that Whitney Houston T-shirt. Uh, I've also there's there's a I, I did a there's a picture on a social media on Instagram. I went to one of the Kings games. I had a, a Lisa Bonet T-shirt on. Uh, so like he's he I've I've worn his gear before. He does a lot of great stuff. He's a very very creative designer. Uh, he has some great stuff on there with the, like Nipsey Hussle, uh, Tupac. He's got some great stuff on there, like Coming to America, Michael Jordan. I mean, just really, really good stuff. So go take a look at that, thedopeones.com, and you can check out. It's funny. You'll see, like, the 90s collection and the Tupac collection and the, the Nipsey Hustle collection and the Kobe collection, and then all the way at the bottom you see the Damien Barling collection. It's like, whoa, that is terribly out of place. Uh, but it's pretty awesome uh, to, to hook up with him, and it's pretty awesome uh, to have these shirts available uh, for you now. Uh, TheDopeOnes.com, check that out. There is a link directly to our page. There is a link directly to our collection uh, in the description of this podcast that you could go take a look at. 
uh, right now. And that'll be a permanent link that is there uh, along with all of the other stuff that we talk about on a regular basis. So the dopeones.com. Thank you to them. Again, it is a local business. It is a Sacramento-based business. It's a black-owned business here in Sacramento, uh, and I'm excited that we have their support, uh, and, and I hope that you will show uh, them your support uh, just as you have shown me. The dopeones.com for our new line of T-shirts. Again, hopefully that is just the first in a number of announcements that will be made over the course of the next few weeks. Inevitably, the WNBA is going to have an announcement. Uh, I'm quite positive as they were in the news for multiple reasons yesterday. I, I talked briefly about my concern that they're not going to make it through the season. Uh, obviously, there are COVID effects to that. And as much as we think that we're in charge of what's going on with the resumption of these sports leagues and as much as the NFL thinks they're in charge about starting training camp and working out salaries, which we'll get to here in just a heartbeat, and much as the NBA thinks they're in charge, and you'll hear what Adam Silver had to say here in just a few minutes, it's the virus that's in charge. And it's the people uh, in the cities in which these games are being played that are ultimately in charge. And I have serious concerns based off some of the videos that circulated on social media yesterday that the WNBA season is going to be completed. Now, with that said... Some of you who saw those videos know whether it was the laundry room, there was a story about bed bugs, um, and staying in terrible hotels is nothing new to the WNBA. It, it's, it's the team, every team, just as the NBA is, it's just the difference between the NBA and the WNBA is the NBA is selecting like between four-star and five-star hotels. Uh, they're deciding what, to stay at like the nicest hotel ever or just the nicest hotel recently. That's what they're deciding. The WNBA and the the teams in the WNBA are trying to figure out how to save money. So there was actually, they had to actually put something in the collective bargaining agreement several years ago. Not the one that was just signed, uh, but the one before that, that... You, you could only skimp so much on a hotel. You, you, there was a requirement that you stayed at a certain type of hotel. I remember the WNBA once had an agreement with a hotel chain, and I can't remember which one, but teams would take advantage of this and just book the shittiest hotel that they could find to save money, and some of the rooms were disgusting. Well, some of the videos that were circulating on social media yesterday regarding this It's certainly not a bubble, and every player has acknowledged, or not every player, a number of players who are uh, inside it have acknowledged, yeah, this this isn't a bubble. What are we going to call this? And someone said, let's call it a wobble. The other person said, nope, let's just call it trouble. So in, (laughs) which I thought was great. In the trouble wobble bubble that the WNBA is in, the, the, the league is already working uh, with the players to try to rectify some of these issues. Obviously, having players sleep in, sleep in, you know, beds riddled with bed bugs. And, you know, this is long-term lodging here for the WNBA in attempt to start and complete their season over a very short period of time. Uh, this was a, a really, really bad look to start. Uh, and that was actually a significantly smaller story uh, to what was going on, to what else was going on in the NBA yesterday. Uh, a Republican senator out of Georgia, Senator Kelly Loafer, she is a partial owner of the Atlanta Dream. 
she had written the WNBA commissioner, Kathy Engelbert, to express her opposition to the Black Lives Matter movement and asked the league to put an American flag on every jersey when play resumes later this month. Now, I recognize that not everybody listening to this uh, is a subscriber over at Patreon.com, and that's all right. I appreciate everybody who listens to this episode every day. If you want to become a subscriber, you can go to Patreon.com slash Damian Barling. But we spoke this weekend on the most recent episode of Be Conscious about how, and it's not new, like you, this, this goes back decades. It goes back to the 60s, as so much in 2020 seems to do. But the American flag has been weaponized to a certain degree. And not only has the American flag been weaponized, it's been politicized. The American flag is supposed to represent all of us. It no longer does that. The American flag, I feel like this is my opinion. And you can feel however you want to about my opinion, but my opinion is the American flag now... Uh, has been kind of taken over and represented by Republicans, specifically by Trump supporters. Because, uh, perfect example, we've seen multiple protests recently. We've seen the Black Lives Matter protest. And we've seen the protest uh, in response to multiple deaths um, at the hands of, of police officers against unarmed black people across the country. We've, we've seen that. We've, we, they, they, they captivated our nation for, 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 for weeks. And then we saw all other protests really around the same exact time. And those protests were, uh, I want to get my hair cut. And, and, and I want businesses to reopen. Well, at those, I want my haircuts, there were Trump flags flying everywhere. The people there were predominantly white. And there were American flags as far as the eye can see. The American flag represents a part of America. So to see this Republican senator who is a staunch supporter of President Trump wrote, uh, you know, this letter about having an American flag put on every jersey. I thought, man, we, we really have, we really have politicized the American flag. It's, it's fascinating. And she is vehemently, not shocking, vehemently against uh, Black Lives Matter being uh, put prominently on the courts at the IMG Academy where the team is being played. She is against the WNBA uh, using names like Sandra Bland and Brianna Turner and Vanessa Gilliam uh, on their jerseys. Um, and she said uh, in regards to the league's uh, promotion to the, uh, in response to the league's social justice initiatives. She responded, I adamantly oppose the Black Lives Matter political movement, which has advocated for the defunding of police, called for the removal of Jesus from churches, and the disruption of the nuclear family structure, harbored anti-Semitic views, and promoted violence and destruction across the country. Jesus Christ. She didn't write Jesus Christ. I just added that part. I believe it's totally misaligned with the values and goals of the WNBA and the Atlanta Dream, where we support tolerance and inclusion. Man, there is a lot to dissect there in that sentence, and I'm not going to bother dissecting it all, other than her little response to um, her, her attempt to 
uh, frame what Black Lives Matter. Now, I, I can't stress this enough. There are people who are going to attempt to devalue. There are people who are going to attempt to villainize Black Lives Matter. You see it all over the place. You see it now. You've seen it for years. You've seen it since, since the organization you know, was birthed. What you have to realize is this is not uncommon. If you're a Black Lives Matter supporter, you have to understand and, and, and not take this stuff personally because it's, it's not uncommon. It's, it's regular. It's as old as the day is long. Same thing happened with the Black Panthers. The same exact thing happened with the Black, Black, Black Panthers. The Black Panthers were once dubbed the most dangerous organization in America. The most dangerous organization in America. That's what the Black Lives, that's what the Black Panthers were once dubbed, and now that's what they're making the Black Lives Matter movement out to be. Anytime black people get together for a cause, they are dubbed the most dangerous organization in America. You know who else was dubbed terrorists? Terrorists, by the way, that were feeding underprivileged school children, regardless of their color across the country. You know who else? was deemed a terrorist organization, much like the Black Lives Matter movement is? The Black Panthers. See, the difference right now between where we are with the Black Lives Matter movement and the Black Panthers is, is pretty easy. The Black Lives Matter movement is the Black Lives Matter organizations. They, they pop up in city to city. There's, there's one here in Sacramento. Right? And, 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 and the, the main organization, I think, was birthed out of Oakland, I think. But there, there are organizations, there's, there's chapters, if you will, all over the country. There was one Black Panther Party, and if you wanted to be a part of it, you came to them. They didn't start a Black Panther Party or a Black Panther you know, chapter in, in, in South Carolina. You wanted to be a part of the Black Panthers, you came to the Black Panthers, and that's how the organization grew. Big different, another big difference between the two organizations is there was a very prominent figure in the Black Lives... In the, I'm sorry, I keep doing that. There was a very prominent figure in the Black Panther Party. It was Fred Hammond. There, actually, there were a number of prominent figures in the Black Panther Party. There is no prominent figure in the Black Lives Matter movement yet. There's no figure that scares Republicans. There's no figure that scares politicians. Fred Hammond scared politicians. Fred Hammond scared the FBI. He scared America. It's why they murdered him. It's why they shot him four billion times. It's why they broke into his house and murdered him. He wasn't the only member of the Black Panther Party that was murdered. Purposely, by police, not at all. But he was charismatic and most dangerous is that he went to lower income white people. He went to them and said, you know, we're on the same side here, bruh. You know, they don't care about you either. You may feel however you want to about us, but 
our grievances are exactly the same, and we could get pretty far if we work together. And guess what they did? They worked together. They were like, oh, you're right. They hate us too. Let's start a movement. Let's join the movement. Fred Hammond was able to get that done. And they recognized how dangerous that was. So they murdered him and got away with it because that's what they do. There's no figure like that in the Black Lives Matter party. It, it, it doesn't exist yet. It's kind of a, it's, it's, it's a thing that you know that it's out there, but you don't know exactly what it is. You don't exactly know what the Black Lives Matter movement is because what it is is muddied. Well, you look at it and you see, oh, this is the Black Lives Matter protest. Look at they're rioting. Nope, wasn't them. Oh, the Black Lives Matter protest, they, they rioted. And, and, and what did they do? They, they robbed the Natomas stores, the, the uh, BevMo and Best Buy. Nah, Black Lives Matter was in downtown Sacramento marching. It's weird. You know, there are cops murdering people all over the country, and they're called bad apples. But when it comes to protests uh, that included rioting, well, it's not that there were bad apples involved in the protests. It's that all of the protesters were rioters. Weird how that works, isn't it? I veered off topic here uh, to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement and its relation to, to, to the Black Panthers and how I see those two as as uh, so interestingly similar and the reaction to them so interestingly similar. And I went that direction because I see what uh, this uh, partial owner of the Atlanta dream, this senator, this Republican senator, that is this Republican Trump supporting senator Kelly LaFleur wrote what she wrote to the WNBA commissioner. She also says the truth is we need less, not more politics and sports. In a time when polarizing politics is divisive as ever, sports has the power to be a unifying antidote. And now more than ever, we should be united in our goal to remove politics from sports. Black Lives Matter is not political. It's pretty simple. It's not. There's nothing political about it. It's not a political party. Nobody is running on the ticket of the Black Lives Matter Party. Nobody. When you go to register to vote, and I, or when you go to, to vote in November, and I pray to God all of you are registered to vote, and I pray every single one of you will either mail in your ballot or, or wait in line or put your mask on or put your gloves on or put a goddamn hazmat suit on if you have to to go vote in, in November. You can't check the box that says, oh, I'm part of the Black Lives Matter party. No, Black Lives Matter isn't political. Fox News made it political. Republicans made it political because they're uncomfortable with it. And what do you do when you're uncomfortable with something? You make it political. It's like when people say, well, you talked about politics too much. I don't want politics in my sports. There are still people who say, I, I, I was on the Deuce and Mo show several weeks back. Deuce says to this day, you were fired because of the things that you said on the radio. They ended your show because your opinion was too strong for, for that radio station. Your, your political influence was too strong. Wait a minute, political? Wait, me? No, why? Because I talked about, I talked about black people? Because I talked about empowerment? Because I talked about Black Lives Matter? Because I talked about kneeling during the national anthem? 
because I talked about social injustice and racial inequalities and because I talked about police murder, murdering civilians, black or white, male or female, all across the country, that was political? Really? Because that doesn't feel political to me. Now, if I open up this podcast and talk about uh, foreign trade policy, that would be political. If I opened up this podcast and talked about how the United States is removing itself from the World Health Organization, that would be political. And there's nothing political about Black Lives Matter. In fact, it's pretty straightforward. It's the least political thing in the world. It's very simple. If we just change the name of it from Black Lives Matter to, hey, we want equality. It'd be different. People still refuse to grasp what Black Lives Matter actually means. And this co-owner of, of the Atlanta Dream is one of them. And most people do it out of purposeful ignorance. It's a term that we seem to use a lot in June. Willful ignorance. And this is a politician who was being willfully ignorant. And if she remains the owner of the Atlanta Dream by the end of today, I would be shocked. There are a number of star players calling for her removal. When you have an owner who is this vehemently against what the league is doing and what the league has stands for, then she's got to go. And there are plenty of people. Uh, Baron Davis has done this publicly. I don't know if he has done it privately, but he has publicly said, I will buy her shares. She's got to go. A number of very influential uh, uh, players, NBA players, uh, and people have contacted uh, through various channels the WNBA about trying to find out how much of the Atlanta Dream she owns. They will have no trouble selling her shares to someone else. None. She's got to go. She's got to go quickly. Because this, this is not the type of league. The, 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 the w, you can't have this in the WNBA. We shouldn't be, like, I'm annoyed with myself for focusing on this. It was a big story yesterday, and I think it's important to point out but I hope all of these people who were pointing out and, and were willing to openly talk about how, you know, this a a Atlanta Dream owner's got to go. I sure hope that they're willing to cover, you know, the team when they start up playing here again pretty soon. As many people who, as were tweeting about uh, the, the food and the accommodations in the WNBA bubble, I sure hope they're willing to talk about the games once they get played at the IMG Academy. I sure hope they're willing to celebrate the WNBA champion just as we did at this, uh, in the summer of last year. Support the league. You want to make a difference, support the league. That will make a huge difference. Buy some WNBA gear. Shoot, tag Vivek in a tweet. Tell him you want the Monarchs back. Do that. While we're talking about food, media was being, and I'm talking like Sports Illustrated, Bleacher Report, they were being so irresponsible last night, tweeting pictures like Troy Daniels was Instagramming uh, like what his food looked like that was waiting for him in his hotel room. There was a, another, I can't remember who posted the other picture, uh, that, but it was like, it looked like some dry ass chicken and some pasta and, you know, the, the meals that were waiting for them 
at the at the WNB at the uh, NBA hotel. Excuse me, the NBA hotel. And everyone was like, "Uh oh, look at what the food looks like in the hotel." It's like, dude, are you guys that stupid? Like, why are you guys be- willful ignorance? Like, why are you guys being this stupid? Why didn't you take two seconds to understand? what they're doing. One, why was no one willing to acknowledge that all of those pictures were posted after 8 p.m.? Meaning that was probably not their dinner. They probably ate their dinner on their charter flight on their way into the city, on their way into Orlando. And the reason, if you notice, you'll notice it, you notice it last night, you'll notice it tonight, and you'll notice it tomorrow. Of course, these are really difficult puzzle pieces for, for media organizations to put together when they need to rush out and, and get a picture and create a fake news story. And I hate using the term fake news because that idiot created it, and it's become a part of the lexicon over the course of the last five years. But this, this isn't a real story. Oh, my gosh, look at the food. Troy Daniels has to eat a salad and some bread. No, asshole. What happened was is these players filled out forms that said, what do you need that like every, uh, whether it was uh, a director of, you know, basketball operations, someone associated with the team that they're on came to him and said, what do you absolutely have to have in your hotel room? And what food would you like delivered over the course of the 36 hour period? And they laid it out for them. Like, here's, here's what we have. Here's what we can work with. Here's what we're going to be able to do. We'll have food waiting for you when you get there. And you'll have food delivered in the morning. You have food delivered throughout the day. You can't leave your room. Remember, we know this. Apparently, I apparently Bleacher Report's not a big listener of the podcast. Neither is Sports Illustrated. Neither are a number of other media outlets. Apparently, they're, they're not big into what we're doing here on the podcast. Because we've told you for weeks, once you get to Orlando, you're isolated. You're quarantined for about 36 hours. Thus, the reason you're seeing last night, so many teams arrive at night. Thus, the reason you're going to see teams tonight post their first pictures from their hotel room because they're arriving at night. Why? Why are they arriving at night? Well, if you arrive at night, your first 12 hours in the bubble, your first 12 hours in isolation is spent winding down from the plane ride, going to sleep, and waking up. This is your first 12 hours. I mean, you might sleep longer than that, and it could wind up being 15, 16, 17 hours, and suddenly you only have one day ahead of you. That's it. You have one day where you got to stay isolated in your room, playing your video games, chatting on social media, texting your friends, FaceTiming your family, studying film, whatever you're going to do. You only got to get through one day if you arrive at night because by the time you get through the other night, boom, what has it been? Well, it's been 36 to to 40-something hours. And you come out of quarantine, hopefully, everybody comes out of quarantine because they passed their second COVID test and we're ready for practice. It's not a sexy story. Those meals that you saw on social media, they're going to be delivered through the course of the next 36 hours. Well, actually, longer than that because teams are arriving today and tomorrow. You're going to see those pictures for the next couple of days. That's not the food that they're going to be eating until October. For God's sakes, just go back and read the athletic article. Go back and read what Ramona Shelburne wrote. There's multiple chefs. There's a golf course. There's a, a player's lounge. There's a video games lounge. There's pool tables. Like, Are you kidding me? This woe is me stuff last night on social media was freaking embarrassing. 
it would have taken two seconds for these organizations to confirm what those what those pictures meant. Poor whoever it was, Troy Daniels or whoever got, you know, he had to eat crappy pasta for a night. He had to eat hotel room pasta. Oh, wow. I'm pretty confident the meal he's going to eat this morning is going to look a lot different. And I'm pretty confident that the meal that he's going to eat this morning is going to look a whole lot different than what he's eating in five days when all of those chefs are cooking for all of those NBA players. Come on, man. Don't, don't fall for that garbage. Don't be one of those people. Two seconds to figure out what that picture meant. And teams just refused to do it. Absolutely refused to do it. Uh, let's segue from uh, meals to the actual league. And Adam Silver uh, acknowledging, well, there are some things uh, that could go wrong. And so we won't be surprised when they first come down to Orlando if we have some additional players to test positive. What would be most concerning is once players enter this campus and then go through our quarantine period, then if they were to test positive or if we would have any positive tests, we would know we would have an issue. And so in terms of our level of confidence, um, again, when we set uh, down this path in terms of coming back in, in Orlando, Florida was not experiencing case levels at the rate they are now in Orange County where Orlando is um, was not. But on the other hand, we designed this campus environment so that we could be as um, protected as possible from the environment around us. So on paper and dealing with our experts, this should work, but um, we shall see. I, I, I was, I'm, I'm confident based on the positive cases we're seeing from our players and the general public around the country that it will be safer on this campus than off this campus, in part because we're going to be doing daily testing. And incidentally, when our players are not playing, which is the vast majority of the time they're there, they will be observing physical distancing and wearing masks. So it's, it's a very protected environment. But again, I, I, you know, this virus has humbled many. And so I, I'm not going to express any higher level of confidence than we're following the protocols and we hope it works as we designed it. Adam said a lot of, so uh, a lot of, of great things right when there. They first come uh, he protected as possible, safer than others. Like he's acknowledging like we're, we're, we're not pretending that this is the safest environment or we're not pretending this is a 100% safe environment. We're not insinuating that the, that, that the players are completely protected from this virus. Of course not. We can't do that. But what we did try to do with the building of this so-called bubble is to keep them as protected as possible, which is a really important phrase in all of this. Protected as possible, meaning uh, they are safer, and I still believe this is true. The players are safer than, well, than the average person is. Certainly, certainly they're safer than the average person in Florida is. And we know what a mess that it is down there. He also acknowledged uh, yeah, when we planned this, uh, Florida wasn't exactly in the shape that it's in now. They were in better shape. That's a strong acknowledgement from Adam Silver there as well. Yeah, we we had this plan. It looked like it, we, when we laid it out, it was it, it it worked. There weren't a lot of concerns, and then suddenly uh, there were a whole bunch of them. Cases across all of the country spiked. He's choosing his words very carefully, and I, it, and, and I don't think he's doing that to be uh, disingenuous. I think he's doing it to be as honest as he can possibly be. We're, 
we're 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 trying to be as safe as possible. That's all we can do. I had a conversation with my buddy last night. We should sports should just be canceled. And I get that. I just like when are you gonna like cancel it till when? Till the to those to there's a vaccine. So you're gonna cancel it not only for this year, but for next year as well. And that would include the NFL. You got to cancel the NFL. I mean, but you know, baseball's trying. I, I, you know, we'll get to what Garrett Cole did yesterday in the little inter squad game, which is pretty cool. But I mean, I'll go back to I asked Marshall Harris a, a version of this question. I asked Marshall Harris if we were going to crown an NBA champion this year. And his first response was like, yeah, that is a loaded question. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to ask you a variety, like a version of that question. Do you think we crown a champion in any major sport? Be it the NBA, Major League Baseball, or the NFL. I know the NFL's champion will be crowned in February, but the season begins this year. Do you think we crown a champion in a major sport this year? I have my doubts, but the one that I think that is most likely to work is the NBA. And here's the cold, hard truth. If the NBA doesn't work, if this plan doesn't work, if we're unable to get through these eight games, if we're unable to get through, because really, I think once we get past the first round of the playoffs, really once we get past, for, past the first two, but I think once we get past the first round of the playoffs, if we can get to that point, I think the NBA is golden. Because you have so many people removed from the equation. You have so many players, so many staff, so many coaches uh, going home. The bubble is still the figurative bubble. It's still the same size, but there are a whole lot less people wandering around it. Now, I understand why you're doing it. I just don't know that it's the smartest strategy to introduce a group of uh, you know, a hundred some odd people or, or hundreds of people or how many people it winds up being um, once the second round of the playoffs is over and you start introducing family and friends and so on and so forth. I know there are protocols for that as well. I understand why you have to do it, but it feels dangerous because at some point you got to think, man, we, we've, we've just got to get through this season. And I think, I honestly, I think we'll know right away. First game is being played. July 22nd, that's a scrimmage game. Um, I think we'll know by the time July 30th rolls around. Dude, it's July 8th. It's still, I feel like I say this every time this comes up, so forgive me for being repetitive. It feels like it's an eternity away. July 30th is still three weeks away. Three weeks from tomorrow. How much can change in the next three weeks. And now all of these players are together for the first time in this environment for an extended period. We are going to know before the first game is played if this is going to work. And if it doesn't, I don't know how what baseball is doing works. MLS is a disaster. MLS threw out the Dallas team yesterday. They're like, yeah, we don't want any part of them. Now they got the issue with Nashville. Where isn't this supposed to start today? In the turn, MLS is back. It's supposed to start today. But one of the teams has been tossed. Nashville, they have a whole bunch of positives, and they have already 
forfeited, I think, the game that they got to play tomorrow? I don't know how that works. It's not like they're going to be healthy tomorrow. Are they just forfeiting the next couple of games? Don't they need to be tossed out of the tournament also? I mean, that's not working. So if, 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 what, if what basketball is doing, if what the NBA is doing doesn't work, there is no chance the WNBA works. There's no chance Major League Baseball works. And whether Jerry and his silent ass like it or not, it's not going to work in the NFL. You still have Von Miller talking about the symptoms that he had from COVID-19. Have you been following what Spencer Dinwiddie has been writing on social media? I don't even know who's on the Brooklyn Nets here at this point. The whole Brooklyn Nets team seems like they should be in the, you know, the ER somewhere or, or quarantine somewhere getting treatment. And figuratively, they are. Literally, they're not. They've lost four players due to the virus. And if you've been following Spencer Dinwiddie on, on, on Twitter, you know that he's not exactly just recovering. He is not asymptomatic. He is dealing with some serious issues from this virus. And we've got to take that seriously. We've got to take that seriously personally, but also as sports fans, we got to look at this like, man, like, it's this, this virus is beating up athletes now. Because, oh, well, you know what they were saying at the beginning of, of, of the, well, you know, if a grandma or grandpa got to die along the way, you know, I think they'll sacrifice that so we can open up the economy. Okay. So we're killing off old people. I just want to be clear. If this virus knocks out Von Miller, we're done for. Von Miller, one of the baddest dudes in the NFL. If it's knocking him out, we're done. We got to monitor this. We got to realize it's affecting everybody differently. There are people, there's probably a ton of people, you might be one of them, who had the virus before we knew it was the virus. There were people who could have been sick in January and February who didn't know, particularly February. I, I think I know someone who was sick in February who, who we didn't know what COVID-19 was. We didn't know what the virus was. We didn't know how serious it was. She probably had it. Her symptoms match up with it perfectly. She probably had it. So some of you may have had it and survived it and didn't know it. We may have it now and not know it. But if it's starting to pick off, if it's starting to pick off younger people, which it is, because quite honestly, many young people are acting like idiots. Of course, there are older people that are acting like idiots, too. You open up the social media, you open up Twitter every day like, oh, who, who's acting like an idiot today? Oh, look at this. This guy in Costco. It's a shame he lost his job. He seemed like a really nice guy. You just go, oh, look at this lady. She's throwing a temper tantrum in the middle of Whole Foods. All because she was asked to wear a mask. Wear a mask. Don't get sick. That should be the slogan for America. Wear a mask. Don't get sick. Boom. This whole thing gets put behind us. But much like Black Lives Matter has, wearing a mask has somehow been politicized. Instead of, hey, put on a mask, we'll be safe. It's been, well, you put on a mask if you want to, but God damn it, I'm an American. And I ain't got to do that if I don't want to. Oh, it's one of those shows, man, where everything I'm, 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 I'm doing feels like it has an angry tone to it. I'm trying to think of something cheerful, but next on the line is Deshaun Watson, or Deshaun Jackson, excuse me, so there's nothing cheerful about that. You know, before we get to Deshaun Jackson, we'll use this as our segue point uh, to the NFL. Uh, this is funny. 
the NFL. I guess this is the humorous part of the show here. Let's go ahead and get the music ready. I don't feel like we've hit this in a while. Hey, clown behavior. Here it is, courtesy of the National Football League. The National Football League has informed the Players Association Board of Representatives that they are proposing a 35% player salary cut to be held in escrow to help manage cost during the 2020 season. Let's just go ahead and run this back. The NFL and the NFLPA, who just signed a collective bargaining agreement a couple of months ago, where the NFL Players Association, again, got completely screwed because they have the weakest union in all of sports. The richest sport in America is telling their players that they would like to take a 35% pay cut and put it in escrow just in case something goes wrong this season and games aren't being able to be played. Just in case the league revenue is impacted greatly by COVID-19. Holy crap. This is the league, by the way, that signs billions and billions worth of television deals. The richest league in America wants to cut its player salaries by 35%. Don't look at Patrick Mahomes' deal and the fictitious deal that was reported. Don't look at that as the standard for an NFL contract. Look at the guy who makes 500000 Look at Dak Prescott. What does Dak Prescott do? Dak Prescott do what, about half a million, 600000 this year? 35% pay cut of that. Still a very good paying job. He's the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Some of you probably have higher paying jobs than him if they take a $35,000 pay cut. A $35,000 pay cut. If they take a 35% pay cut. Start looking at, you know, uh, roster. They're looking to expand the rosters. Okay, good. How much is roster guy number 57, 58, 59, and 60 going to make? A couple hundred thousand dollars? The union fees, you cut that down. And then 35% of that. He's essentially getting paid $75,000 to play football. Well, maybe if you're roster number 58, 59, 60, you're not playing football which you're not risking your health. So maybe $75,000, $80,000 for doing that and putting on your uniform. Maybe that's not so bad. Um, a quote from the NFLPA vice president, the league is very hesitant to have any player opt out. Their position is if the player doesn't want to go to training camp, well, that's their decision, uh, but they can accrue fines and lose their spart- starting spot. All of those different types of things uh, could take place. So that is another issue that is facing the NFL and the NFL Players Association is that players want to have the ability to opt out of training camp. Now, I don't know how you can opt out of training camp and play games. So I'm going to stop short of saying I'm on the league side of this one. I just need further explanation from a player how that's going to work. Like you're just not going to go to training camp, but you're going to show up for the game. And if you're, if you're skipping training camp, 
because you're fearful of the virus, if you're skipping training camp because you're fearful of the accommodations, if you're skipping training camp because you're fearful of all that, I completely understand. But how are you safer during the season? That would be my question. I need a little bit more explanation on this, and I'm confident I'm going to get it because this is just the beginning of what is certainly going to be a long, drawn-out battle. Uh, we get, again, by the way, a long, drawn-out battle again between the NFL and the NFL Players Association. Uh, we gave you some free advice here yesterday on the show. I'm very proud of it. Uh, I believe it, you know, it is up there with uh, some of the greatest advice that I've ever given here on this podcast in which we, we, we urged you uh, to not quote Hitler in any way, shape, or form. Do not quote Hitler. However, it was interesting watching members of the media react to having the generational hate speech directed at them. It was quite the experience to see Jewish members of the media being so angry with Deshaun Jackson. It was humorous seeing people like Matthew Berry, the fantasy football guy, his exceptionally comical behavior about how the Philadelphia Eagles have not reacted strongly enough in, in, in response to Deshaun Jackson. And meanwhile, if you searched Matthew Berry with another very prominent racist on the Philadelphia football team, Riley Cooper, you'll see Matthew Berry being very frustrated with Riley Cooper and his inability to acquire him fantasy football points. Man, it is a bitch when that shoe is on the other foot. When Jewish members of the media are, are, are realizing, oh, anti-Semitic speech, oh, generational hate speech. I'm sitting back. Every black media person is sitting back like, oh, please tell me more about your frustration with this. Please tell me more about how this hurts you. Please tell me more about how this is just disgusting behavior because, gosh, we can't relate. We can't relate at all. Uh, here's Deshaun Jackson attempting to apologize. What's going on? Uh, you know, I've been getting a lot of backlash and, uh, you know, feedback from an Instagram post that I put on my, uh, my Instagram story. I just want to, you know, first off, extend an apology on the behalf of me and uh, what I stand for because, you know, I, I'm one that's fair and I, I never want to put any race down or any people down. And, uh, you know, my post was definitely not intended for any anybody of any race to feel any type of way, especially the Jewish community. Um, when I posted what I posted, I, I definitely um, didn't mean it to the extent that you guys took it. And I, I just wanted to let you guys know that I'm, you know, very apologetic. And I just want you guys to understand that. it. it never I'm just going to hit pause here real quick. Uh, for those who are unaware, this is going really poorly. Intended to be, you know, to put any race down or any religion down. Um, you know, I post things on my story all the time. And, um, you know, I just probably shouldn't have never posted anything that Hitler did because Hitler was a bad person, and I know that. And, uh, you know, I was just trying to uplift, uh, you know, African-Americans and, and slavery and, you know, uh, just enlighten my people. So on behalf of myself, I just want to uh, let you guys know I apologize. I didn't uh, intend, you know, any harm or any hatred towards any people. I'm, I'm for one. I'm for love. And I extend it every, every day. People that know me know I have no hatred in my heart. Right. I never try to. I'll just you know, I'll, I'll, I'll stop it there. I, I, I honest to God, don't think he knew what he was posting. 
I really don't. I don't think he understood the connotation for it. I wonder how many people understand, like, who and what Hitler is. Like, anytime you hear someone say, and, and you probably have heard it, so-and-so is as bad as Hitler. No matter who you hate that much, no one is as bad as Hitler. But I don't know that people truly understand who and what he was. And listening to Sean Jackson talk right there, I'm not clear he understood what he was posting. And, I, and now, now I, I, I have admittedly become a little bit confused on the story as well. He was, he posted something like, was this, I, I, I know he was posting something that also had to do with Louis Farrakhan. Like he was the, 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 the nation of Islam leader. And I, I'm like, I'm trying to fully get a grasp of like what point he was trying to make. And, I, and, I, and I've even heard that the quote that he posted was fake, that it wasn't real. So I don't know where you find fake Hitler quotes. I'm sure, I mean, it's the Internet. I'm sure it's easy to I'm sure I could Google fake, fake Hitler quotes and get a whole bunch of them. But how did you even come across that? I'm confused as to what he was doing, I, and, and maybe maybe it was something that came from from Minister Farrakhan. I I don't know, but it was it's more than what he posted on social media. In his apology, his apology is clear. He's not he didn't understand. He's he he had no idea what he was reading or posting, and I don't mean that as an insult to him. I'm not trying to insult his intelligence. I'm saying I don't think he understood the connotation of posting a quote from Hitler. Don't post a quote from Hitler ever you'll get through life in in a, in a very good way if you just don't do that that's a that's a great head start in life don't post quotes from Hitler parents share it with your kids hey kids when you're posting your Instagram pictures you want to use emotional motivational quote try using the rock and not Hitler it'd be a good start as a matter of fact just avoid Hitler period are kids taught about Hitler? Like, I'm trying to remember, and I, I can't. I have no clue. Like, I'm tr- is, is our uh, teachings of Hitler, like, as, as like thin as our teachings of black history in America? You know, because in, in school, like, when I was in school, and, I, and I'm talking, like, elementary school. I'm not talking about, you know, my black history courses, my African-American history courses at American River College. I'm talking about like elementary school. Weren't you like it was slavery? Lincoln saved everyone. Uh, Civil rights. Dr. King were free. Isn't that pretty much how it goes? There's 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 little talk of or no talk. I didn't hear about the Reconstruction era until I was an adult, until I started reading my own books outside of school. It was like, what is the Reconstruction era? And what does this have to do with black people and slavery? Oh, 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 I see. If you've never read The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander, I encourage everybody to read that. Uh, The New Jim Crow uh, by Michelle Alexander. Go check that out. It's on Audible. It's on, um, you know, you can do the the digital book, uh, whether it's a Nook or whatever you use or or just order it on on Amazon or whatever, man. It's a it's 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 worth your time is a fantastic read. Uh, we'll get out of here on this. Brooklyn Nets star Kyrie Irving is joining up with Common and a number of others 
uh, to do a TV special for the Players TV uh, Digital and Broadcast Network uh, about Brianna Stewart. The show will be entitled uh, Say Her Name. I said Brianna Stewart. For goodness sakes, man, I'm sorry. Brianna Taylor. Um, Say Her Name, Brianna Taylor. Brianna Stewart is a basketball player, by the way, for those who don't know that. Uh, We all know who Brianna Taylor is at this point, or hopefully you do. The 26-year-old emergency medical technician who was shot eight times in Kentucky on March 13th by plainclothes officers serving a narcotics search uh, warrant in her house without knocking. Um, And they, she was asleep in her bed. They ripped down the door and shot her, killed her. And they are free. They, they are actually just walking around free. I don't even know that all of them have lost their jobs. But the fact that they haven't lost their freedom is really an extraordinary thing. And I mentioned the new Jim Crow before this story for a purpose. Is because, as much as it pains me to say this, Brianna Taylor is not alone in this category of failed narcotic search warrants and people winding up dead. Read up on the war on drugs and how that destroyed homes in a variety of communities. And it's all in there in, in, in the new... I've, I've read the new Jim Crow and I've listened to the new Jim Crow. That should be required reading for every high school junior or senior. Everyone should have to read that. Every adult should have to read that, particularly today. If you, don't, if you want, I'll buy you a copy of it if you want to read it. I'm dead serious. You want to read it? You, you, you ain't got the money to spend right now because of COVID? Dude, I get it. Text me. I will buy the book for you. Dead serious. I might just order a whole bunch of copies here today. You know what you should do? You should order, after you buy the book, you should order a whole bunch of T-shirts. TheDopeOnes.com. Again, thank you to them uh, for launching our new T-shirt campaign over there. Our new uh, Damien Barling collection, if you will, on TheDopeOnes.com. Check out the rest of their website as well. They got some really, really wonderful stuff up there. Uh, Check out Patreon.com slash Damien Barling. I love how I just said, if you don't have the money to buy a book, I'll buy it for you. And now I'm peddling all of the stuff uh, that I do each podcast that I ask you to buy. And the t-shirts are new. So I'm going to push the t-shirts and I'm going to push patreon.com. I couldn't wait. Yesterday was the 24-year anniversary of the formation of the New World Order. So I released the Relive podcast a little bit early. Uh, If you're a wrestling fan, past or present, I hope you'll take the opportunity to check that out. I've been able to get Relive on some more podcast platforms. So if for some reason uh, it wasn't there before on the platform that you're listening to this show on, I promise you uh, it is there now. I I actually didn't realize it was missing from a few key platforms, but it is available everywhere now. Relive uh, with Damian Barling focusing on the formation of the New World Order and the Hulk Hogan heel turn. So go check that out. Make sure you're back with us here uh, tomorrow on the podcast with Damian Barling. Appreciate y'all as always. Have a great one.